welcome to a new episode of Field Days, a podcast about news and hot topics related to the Michigan Department of Corrections. Here are your hosts, Chris Gouts and Greg Straub. Hello and welcome to another edition of Field Days. I'm your co-host, Chris Gouts, and joined again, we are so lucky to have the Deputy Warden who was the number eight at Grand Valley, but is number one in our hearts, Deputy Warden Noah Nagy. <laughs> You're laying out a little thick today, huh, Chris? <laughs> Coming we back a uh, second time in less than a month, and boy, laying out heavy. We're so happy to have you back. <laughs> Very happy. Well, I'm glad to be back again and again. Uh, we had a chance to talk about the RAP program when you were here a few weeks ago, and looking forward to talking about Vivitrol today. Yeah, this is another continuation in our series on offender success. So we kicked it off with uh, the RAP program, and uh, we've had some, you know, some nice episodes to talk about some of the other programs we've got going on. And this, we felt, was just another great one to to talk about because uh, it really does fit into offender success. And, and you'll hear exactly why as we as we get into what this program is and what it has the potential to be once we really uh, get it rolling. Yeah, and today we'll have guest uh, our HUM, our health unit manager, Sherry Sankey, and our mental health social worker, Keith Jones, talking about what their role is here at DRC in the Vivitrol pilot. And and Julia Hitchingham as well has been a, a huge uh, piece of this in getting this started. She's the manager of substance abuse services, and she's done a great job of guiding us through this process. And, and the Vivitrol, which is the medication-assisted treatment, is is very new to me and, and to all of our staff and so to be able to get us educated on it and understanding it so we could get a process in place it really takes everybody here at the facility has to be involved on on some level and it's, it's been a process that has been uh, changing as as we as we learn more about it it's something that we're still still evolving but we're at the point now where we've been able to have offenders who are participating in the Vivitrol pilot, and this is something that's set up for, for four counties right now, Wayne, Oakland, Macomb, and Monroe County. We began uh, working with offenders in December and in January. We did four injections in January, and we most recently did three injections in uh, early February. Uh, you know, both male and female, it's uh, for our RSAT and ASAT offenders, it's for our male and female pro violators that we have here in DRC. And there's a criteria in which they have to fall in to uh, uh, make sure that they're eligible. In addition to being from those counties, this is something that they have to volunteer for. And it's uh, something that, that they have to be healthy enough to take the injection. Their body has to be able to handle it. Uh, and, and Sherry will talk about what the healthcare does to make sure their, their bodies can accept the Vivitrol injection. And mental health-wise, uh, you know, we're looking for offenders that are currently mentally uh, stable and, and uh, able to uh, understand what it is that they're getting ready to participate in, what the benefits are, what are potential side effects, that type of thing. And, uh, and then also in getting the field agents involved from those counties. We'll, you know, we'll talk about how we have dedicated field agents in the, those particular counties that are focusing on the Vivitrol uh, cases and, and making sure that they have the uh, support services available for the offenders in the community. So this is something, Chris, that is, uh, you know, it's, we're growing and learning as we go. Uh, and trying to make sure that uh, we put, uh, as you talk about, we're talking. You're doing a series on offender success. We want to create an opportunity for these offenders who have been battling a substance abuse addiction for many years, uh, in the best opportunity to succeed when they get back into the community. 
Well, um, yeah, that's a really good overview, and it really gets to you know a lot of the, the things that we wanted to, to touch on today, because it is a really uh, important issue. A lot of other states are doing this, and it really gets to what the director and, and you know the MDOC is really talking about with offender success, because you know uh, uh, one of the big hindrances to uh, offender success and, and for people that uh, come back to us is you know drug abuse and, and drug addiction and and if we can get at that underlying issue uh, we'll get away from some of these other crimes and hopefully get these people uh, back uh, into a more productive life and get get them a job with some of the other things that we're doing here at DRC but also you know with the vocational village and other places they they can leave here with a you know with a, a good vocational skill and also we've found them a way to, with this medically assisted treatment to uh, hopefully curb that addiction and the need to, to get that drug that, uh, you know, they'll have a better chance of success uh, once they leave here. I'm really looking forward to, uh, to hearing more about it uh, with our guests, so why don't we uh, get right to the interview. Well, before we get started uh, talking with the excellent staff here at DRC, we wanted to take a moment to talk with Julie Hitchingham, the Substance Abuse Services Manager for the department, to give us a quick overview of what Vivitrol is and, and how it works. Um, because you've been working on this for, for quite some time, correct? I have. And Vivitrol is a medication that has been used in the community along with methadone and Suboxone for many years and with great success. Um, it's new to us and it has um, some differences in methadone and Suboxone. Mm -hmm. And what are some of those? Uh, Vivitrol is not an opiate. It is um, a full antagonist blocker, which means that it completely binds to the opioid receptor. So it doesn't allow anything to go into the opioid receptor and it doesn't allow any dopamine to go out. As a result, uh, if there isn't dopamine release out of the opioid receptor, then the person taking the Vivitrol experiences very little, if any, cravings. If they were to relapse, it stops the opioid or the alcohol, because Vivitrol works for alcohol as well, to have any positive euphoric effects for the person. So they don't have any reward out of using. So if they relapse, um, it provides them two positive effects. One is they don't feel high, they don't feel drunk, so they don't have a reward to continue using. Also, because Vivitrol is completely covering the opioid receptor, it stops the brain from even recognizing that the person is used, so physical dependence doesn't occur, and they can get back on track mm -hmm. and with their treatment. Mm -hmm. And a lot has been studied about, about medic medical-assisted uh, treatment, right? Yes. So medication-assisted treatment has been used in the community and worldwide for many years. And there are a lot of research findings that show us that not only is it effective, but that we must be using it for opioid-addicted individuals. Mm -hmm. There are some more recent studies that are showing us that 92% of persons addicted to opioids will not be successful getting to and maintaining recovery without medication. Mm -hmm. So is that why the, the department's doing this or what, what drove us to be at this point where we are right now? We've, like every area in the country as well as worldwide, are seeing increasing numbers of um, people who are addicted to opioids, who are failing um, with treatment and are continuing to relapse, who are violating and who are dying. So the department's interested in trying to find some more effective methods to combat that and to make our offenders be able to be successful. And Vivitrol is certainly um, a easier way for us to do that because we aren't managing opioids such as methadone or Suboxone. Um, those, those opioid replacement 
treatments within our facilities as well as within our offender population um, and also Vivitrol is a once a month injection so it's easier for our offenders to be more successful. You do have to be off of opioids for 14 days prior to going on Vivitrol. The other reason why it works really well for us is that you know, typically somebody who's incarcerated is opioid free and so it allows us to give them that injection before they go out in the community to have that protection from overdose um, and also to get them connected to treatment in the community so that they can continue to be successful. Mm-hmm. And, and what's uh, been your role in the pilot? You oversee, you oversee but you've also been pretty hands-on and getting this off the ground and getting started. I have been. I have developed the Vivitrol program that we have as well as trained staff and implemented it at Detroit Reentry Center and we are getting ready to start it this month at Women's Huron Valley as well. We're starting to run women through the, the process. It's a pretty lengthy process internally. They go to healthcare, they go to medical social worker, um, and we do a lot of prep time a few weeks prior to release um, and make sure that they have their appointments out in the community. So I've been involved really step-by-step step in, in that whole process, um, running our first through few offenders through, Um, and they're really doing well out in the community. They go out to specialized parole agents who've had a lot of training and are really understanding addiction and why we need to be giving them these extra supports as well as the medication. Great, well well, thanks for that. I think you've given us a good overview and now we'll hear from the staff that are on the ground uh, when you're not not there, uh, that are on the ground uh, making uh, making this a reality. So thank you for coming. You're welcome, thank you. When we begin the process here at DRC, our agents are sitting down having uh, having a, an education session with them. They're sitting down explaining what Vivitrol is, what it, what uh, some of the expectations are, some of the potential side effects, some of the the services that will be available in the community. They kind of give a broad overview of, of what to expect. Now, when we're doing this, we're generally allowing, before we sit down and have a conversation with these offenders, we're generally waiting in that 7 to 10-day phase to to allow the offenders to have a detox period, making sure that their system is cleared out and they're free of any any drugs that they may have been using prior to coming to DRC. Now, once we have sit down and they volunteer for that for that Vivitrol program, we're, that's when medical comes in. And I know you guys have been extremely busy in, in developing this process, but one of the more important things is for you to sit down and get, make sure that the doctors are, are giving the offenders a complete understanding of what it is that the, the offender will face once they take Vivitrol. What are some of the side effects? What are some of uh, you know the potentials? Can you go into what you know some of the things that the, the offenders are dealing with once they take Vivitrol? Before we even receive the injection, we sit with the nursing staff sits with the, the with the offender and we um, go over extensively what Vivitrol does. And I know that it's done even before they get to healthcare. Mm-hmm. But we again sit with our um, offenders, go over what Vivitrol does, what the side effects is, and um, make sure that they reiterate that back to me and that will prove to me that they have a clear understanding of what Vivitrol is, the do's, the don'ts. We make them uh, understand that because of the fact that it is a uh, opioid blocker, that they can still uh, experience the medical uh, effects of it, even if they try to get high over and over again. And there is a, 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 you can actually overdose, even though you're not feeling the high, if you continue to take the drugs, you can still overdose. So after we give the injection, 
we have them sit in the medical office and we keep an eye on them for at least 30 minutes up to an hour to ensure that there is no adverse effects because of the fact that this medication is metabolized through the liver. During that time, I also will sit with the inmate and we will go over Narcan and it is um, a medication that will counteract any opioid overdose. And so it's important that they know what to do, how to utilize it. I even encourage them to teach um, any family member that's around, even if it's a child, because it's such a simple um, process when utilizing the Narcan. It's a nasal um, aerosol. It's basically a little aerosol that you can um, inject in, in to the nasal area. Now, I'm sorry, Sherry. One, you know, as uh, Chris, as Sherry was saying, one of the most important things that they were emphasizing to the offender is making sure they understand that they cannot use while on the Vivitrol injection. Uh, we want to make sure that's an important, important thing that they grasp that they do not use while while under uh, taking the Vivitrol. Now, as important as that piece is, now we we have to transition into. Uh, you know, from he, from DRC into the community, and one of the most you know, you can't just have Vivitrol and no treatment. You can't just have. You know, we don't want just treatment without the Vivitrol. We're trying to strengthen the, you know, so that the offender has the best chance for success. So we're trying to make sure that we provide the medicated medication-assisted treatment along with the wraparound services and treatment. And Keith Jones, our mental health social worker, is person in charge here at DS, DRC to continue that process from DRC out into the community and making the connections uh, through the access centers in the communities. And Keith, you sit down with the offender and you make those calls to the communities that they're going to, is that correct? That's correct. Once the uh, inmates have successfully passed their depression screening and uh, their, their liver, liver panel count, um, they are referred to mental health social work where I have the opportunity <coughs> to make the access calls with them. Currently, we are working with Monroe, Oakland, and Wayne County. And uh, in reaching out to each county, uh, each county has, has different requirements. Uh, they have a different setup. But uh, the more we kind of work out this process through these calls, the more we're kind of, we're trying to refine the process and how we, we get things done. Um, but when we make these calls, it's, it's, it's almost a two-in-one call. We call. Uh, for instance, Wayne County will call Community Mental Health and uh, there's a series of questions um, or an interview that takes place. And when after completing the interview, they are then referred to the next uh, place uh, that they'll receive treatment. Mm -hmm. uh, so for instance, for Wayne County, uh, Narden Park has taken a lot, taken over a lot of the, uh, the, a lot of the inmates that have had their injections. So, before they leave, while on the phone with Access, they'll also call Narden Park if that uh, is the agency that it is willing to take over this case, and they'll set them up with an appointment to follow up with Narden Park. Uh, once that happens and they're set up, we also look, if they have a primary care physician already, we try to reach out. If not, uh, we try to look to have that put in place before they leave. We're still working to um, get these uh, things set up but we want to have a full, complete wraparound uh, service available to those who are participating in the program. This means substance abuse coach, regular um, individual treat, mental health treatment, physical and medical treatment, uh, 
and whatever other services that are identified. Some are uh, have identified as being homeless or in need of Social Security. All, we would like them to leave with everything in place or a plan to have these things in place um, to help combat the reasons for why they abuse uh, because everyone abu abuses drugs for different reasons in many cases. So along with the the, uh, the medical treatment that Vivitrol provides, we want to also provide the mental health treatment and the, the supports that are necessary. Yeah, I think, Chris, ideally the way we're going to have this working and, and working to get that in, in places before these offenders are leaving, as Keith is, is talking about that, all those contacts, you know, our, the ideal scenario is that we're going to have a, uh, a situation where all those folks that are going to be involved in the community will sit down either via video or in person here at DRC and meet with the offender. So the offender understands when his appointment is uh, with a, a substance abuse provider or a recovery coach, he already knows who he's going to see. He knows when he's going to see them. You know, if, his, if he's going to go live with a family member or, or a friend, that friend has an understanding or that family member has an understanding of what Vivitrol is, what the purpose of it is, and what we're trying to accomplish, uh, you know, by having the offender be involved in Vivitrol, but also what can that family member do? Know that this isn't, you know, the Vivitrol is just not a, a wonder drug, that there's additional support services that need to be available, and that, you know, any and all assistance available to help this, you know, person fight, you know, the drug abuse that they've been dealing, the drug addiction they've been dealing with for however long, is something that's probably going to be, you know, a continued fight for, you know, months, years to come, but with those support services in place, along with the, the medication-assisted treatment, that we have a better chance of creating an opportunity for offender success uh, than we did previously with just providing either treatment or the medication-assisted treatment. You know, combining the two creates for a, a better, uh, you know, more positive uh, outcome in, in the long run. Yeah, I think it's good for for, for the MDC to really start doing this. Like I said, we've said before, another number of states have done this. And I think a lot of the work that's been done on the front end is really helping to make this a success. Like you said, it's not just giving them a shot and then sending them out the door. There's so much that has to go into it that, that Keith and, and others are, are doing because you know, it's really important for them to continue these shots. You know, I think... Um, uh, after the first shot, you know, their, their cravings might go down a little bit, but they're still going to stir that possibility. They need to have that second shot once they get out of the community. Um, and the nice thing about it is, is once they leave here, the first shot is covered uh, here uh, by us uh, through through the drug company. But after that, Medicaid uh, takes over and, and, and pays for that cost. So so that's I think that's a real key. And I think if we didn't have that, I think we'd have a real serious drop-off in, in the number of people. I mean, do you get that sense that if Medicaid wasn't covered, I mean, there's really no ability for them to have the resources to pay for. Absolutely. For many of them, if uh, Medicaid did not cover, uh, the, the injection averages uh, between 1100 to 1300 a month, I was told, or I've, the, um, mm -hmm. or I've read. Um, and many of the inmates who, would, who are currently on it would not be able to cover it. Uh, many of them have identified as homeless or unemployed, so... It's it's it will be tough to cover that monthly. Yeah. I mean, I think if you weigh the cost of of you know a thousand dollars for a shot for a, a few months or maybe longer, you know, uh, it's far outweighed by the cost of you know them falling back into life of crime or them you know ODing, losing their life or or committing other crimes to feed their drug habit, and now you've got other victims out in the community. This is really is helping to uh, you know reduce crime uh, in the state as well. It is, and it's you know it's a it's a process that is is new to all of us 
it's something that uh, you know we've been educated on ourselves and learned you know quite a bit about in the last you know four to six months and it's something that we will continue to learn about and it's you know here at drc and that when it begins at, at whv will just be the beginning stages uh you know it's going to be really re we're going to rely on our field staff quite a bit you know as i mentioned earlier there's going to be dedicated field agents from each county county that will focus on this and and being able for the, the agents they've they've taken the time to learn about it and get educated and get an understanding of, of what services these offenders will need to best support them while they're on the Vivitrol and, and, and who to contact when there's a need. You know, one of the other things that is, is, is Keith mentioned about the primary care physician and the, and the, and the health care piece of it is uh, we need to be able to make sure that the you know, folks in the community understand and know that these guys are on Vivitrol so in case there was ever anything that were to occur, uh, you know, they know how to best treat them mm -hmm. if there's a medical issue as well. So, you know, there's a lot of things that are new to us, uh, and we continue to to grow and learn with it. Our staff here at DRC have gone way uh, above and beyond to, to get an understanding of it and, and provide uh, offenders uh, the best opportunity to succeed, you know, com have a conversation with them. As I mentioned, Julia Hitchingham has been uh, dynamite in, in educating everybody here at DRC, including all of our officers. You know, she sat down and talked with the officers. So when these offenders are in the housing unit after they've had the injection or prior to getting to injection, if they're getting, uh, have some questions or concerns, our officers are able to either answer the question or, or get them to the place where they can get best get the answers. If after the injection they're experiencing anything that may be out of the ordinary, our officers are aware of the situation, know who's had the injection and know who to contact if there's a need for uh, further follow-up. So it's uh, it's been a total team effort by everybody involved. And, and like I said, we're still far from where we need to be, but it's something that uh, we're growing and learning from and hopefully we'll uh, uh, continue to provide uh, offenders the best chance to succeed. All right, well, like, like you said, no, I think uh, we, we've got a good sense now of, of, of what, uh, what this pilot is, and so I want to thank you and your staff uh, and for our guests today uh, going through this and, and taking the time to explain it to us. This is a really important uh, pilot project that we're doing. Uh, I think it's going to have real success as we roll it out uh, further. Um, it's something that, you know, is top of mind with the director uh, and with the legislature something that they're really interested in seeing us do and in seeing what the uh, possible outcomes could be. So really great to be right here where it's happening, and uh, we really appreciate uh, you guys coming out today and in for having us here again at DRC. All right, as always, thank you for listening. We'd love it if you would help us spread the word about the podcast. You can do that by subscribing to the show on iTunes and leave us a review. You can always follow the department on Facebook at MI Corrections and on Twitter at Michigan DOC, as well as the FOA account at MDOC FOA and the CFA account at MDOC CFA. And you can send any questions you have to the show using the hashtag AskFieldDays. Until next time, thanks for tuning in to Field Days Podcast.